So as we begin, I want to ask you, today, I want you to be investors, okay? So investing, it's a concept of investing that is found in the Bible, and we want to be wearing our investor's hat this morning, okay? So I want to ask you, which one of these companies or organizations would you like to invest in? So option number one is a company that is like fairly priced, so the stock is like pretty good right now, but then they have a huge potential, I mean, they have a growth potential, and you know, so it's, it's get it while you can kind of company. So that's option number one, right? Number two, oh, this, this is like a sure thing, okay? So it's expensive, but the dividend or the return is like pretty solid. So you won't, you know, it's, it's a good choice. And that's number two. So how many of you would go with that? How many go with A? And then the third is to make this world a better place. You invest or give to a cause that is making a difference and changing lives all over, like heavenly treasures, you know, that kind of, by the way, last night we went to this uh, once a year annual gala, and it was an amazing event, and I just want to like take a moment, just like, and they was, they were going on to like late, and they're here leading worship today, so I just want to give up the heavenly treasures team, Christina, president, you know, and, and Caroline, Dan, I mean, it was an amazing event, and I'm sure Mike and uh, Dory's happy because they want a Lake Tahoe trip. So anyways, uh, it, maybe you could be nice to them, and they might take you. So anyways, um, but, you know, maybe your choice would be to give to that, those company. And if you do, go ahead and do that. But maybe all three, you want to give to all three or, or uh, invest in all three if you have the money. <laughs> but, you know, maybe if you don't, then you have to choose. What would you do? And... I looked around, you know, just the internet, uh, but, you know, uh, uh, the, the world's famous investor right now, and you probably know his name, his name is Warren Buffett. You know, his, he would say, he would probably go with option number A, like, and then he, he looks at a company, has a good price right now, and has potential to grow, and he invests, and he, he in, in investigates, he looks at the quality and who's leading it, and then he, that's the company that he would invest in and he's made a fortune and he's probably doing you know he knows what he's doing his business model is that he wants to invest you know this toll bridge philosophy so there's a bridge and it's the only place to go to another side and you're like the toll and you have to pay for it and there's no competition and you you just got to use it that's the company that he likes to invest in and that's a philosophy right so the toll bridge philosophy People trust their own instincts or perhaps conviction, and they give or they invest in different places. And, and some succeed really well, some do not, but it doesn't matter because they know they're making a difference. I mean, there's different stories. And what about you? What would you do? What do you think Jesus would say about investing? And that answer, I think we find in today's passage in Luke 16, as we tackle two of the most kind of toughest you know, themes of the Bible is, hey, or in this world, money and eternity. And in our case, it's heaven. How does those two relate with one another? Oh, do they? Maybe not. Maybe they do. Well, let's find out in Luke chapter 16. And we've been looking at the journey of Jesus from Galilee to Jerusalem. His, his life is ending. His coming to Jerusalem and his cross is waiting. Each of the steps that he's taking, it's, it's, it's heavier and it's more meaningful because the end is near. And the disciples and the other people, they don't know that. But Jesus knew and the message gets more intense as it gets closer to the cross. And we'll tackle some really hard topics in the weeks to come. But today, we look at a, come to a passage in Luke chapter 16 that is pretty 
weird. I mean, it's, I don't know how to say it. It's just like difficult to interpret. And at first, at glance, chapter 16, you look at verse 1 and 2, and they're like, is Jesus telling us to cheat? You know, like that's the message that we might get. But it's, of course, not. And we have to, um, because we have to look at it very carefully. Now, it's important to know that once we, when we try to understand what Jesus is trying to say, we have to look at who's he addressing this to. And today's message in, in chapter 6, and he's addressing this to the disciples. We're going to pick up from verse 1, and I'm going to show you the verse 1 and then kind of highlight different key phrases in here. So chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Jesus told his disciples. He's looking at the disciples, and then he talks about this rich man. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possession. So he didn't take good care of it, so accused for that, his wasting a possession. Not a good manager, right? Now, so he called him and asked him, says, hey, what is it about, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. So the, the, the owner or this rich man is upset. And now verse 3, the manager said to himself, well, what should I do now? My master is taking away my job. I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed, too ashamed to beg. So he's probably an old man. Or maybe he's disabled. He can't do physical labor. So he's like, or, and then, or not or, but and, you know, he kind of has this, uh, he's a Jew. And, you know, we might understand that maybe as an Asian, there's a shame culture where like, if you're going to beg, I'd rather die kind of mentality. I mean, it's in his language, right? I ra- I'm too proud to do what I need to do. So he, verse 4, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their house. So the point right here that is really important that we need to make is that the manager is, is out of his job. But his, before he gives out the account to the rich man or his owner, he has a window of time. We don't know how long, but he has a window of time to be creative. And once he knew that his time is ending, he got really creative. He began to like work his like butt off, basically, because he's now we find out what his plan is. Look at verse five. It's really cool. It's 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 an but this is where we need we cannot make a mistake of misunderstanding. So Verse 5 says, he called each one of his master's debtors. Each one, that's key, right? Every one. So now he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallon of olive oil. Man, what? He could like, like run like a, he could move like a train or something with that, right? So like 900 gallons of oil. He replied, the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Just give him 450. Right, and then he looked at the second guy, and then how much do you owe? Thousand bushels of wheat. Now just give me eight hundred. So that's the plan, and he talked to every single one of them. He he went. I don't know how many, but he 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 did this he conference meeting. It's like next, next, next. You know, he's meeting with one, and he's like making some deals right here, right? I mean, nine hundred gallons of oil it equals to one hundred fifty olive trees. I mean, and it, and then he says, just give me four fifty. Like what? Like, of course, sure. And then he signs. You know how much that equals to? It's about fifty k worth. So he's basically the guy that owed the the rich man. He he saved fifty k. Of course, he signs. And then the next guy, it's like eighty bushel of wheat to eighty. 
or 100 to 80. So 20 bushels he's saving up. And that's also about 50K of savings. So, of course, people will sign it off. Oh, if that's all that I owe, then let me do that. And you're looking at this like, what a crooked manager. I mean, how could he do that? And you're just waiting for the master to like throw the hammer. He's like getting mad, right? And I'm looking at this story. And then at first, like, oh, this is a good story to tell my kids because like, that's why you don't hide. You know, that's why you be honest and be because you're going to get the manager is going to get or the owner is going to get mad at you. Jesus is going to get mad at you. And then we look at this and that's not the way it goes. <laughs> look at verse eight. This is like crazy. The master commended, and I'm like, what? Commended? The dishonest manager. I mean, it almost seems like an oxymoron, or it's like just, it shouldn't fit together. His dishonesty is being commended. And y'all all right with that? I was like, no, I'm not all right with that, because I, I need to tell my kids to be like trustworthy, but it's like being commended. That's what we need to really look at it carefully. It says, because he had acted shrewdly. That's the key. He acted shrewdly. I mean, the manager, he was a shrewd man. <laughs> and then the master, his shocking response, he's like, I commend you because it went beyond anger. He's like, okay, finally, you, you, you got moving. And then he was amazed at this plan that the manager came up with, this shrewd plan. Because basically, the, the, the amount that he's saving or he's giving, you know, forgiving, it, it's about the, uh, the interest amount. So the manager is not losing money of the, the rich man. But the point is, the manager really took care of business. He planned ahead for the time where he's out of his job. And that's the real key here. Don't forget about that. So his fate doesn't change. He's going to lose his job. But he prepared for what's to come. In verse 9, here's the passage that it might be very troubling, but let me explain this. But let's read this together. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So what does that mean? What does worldly wealth mean? The translation of that, and when you look at the Greek or original language, it talks about uncertain wealth, ever-changing or fluctuating wealth. And isn't that true about money? I mean, the rates change every day. It's fluctuating. You never know what's sure. And not just money, but everything in life is uncertain. Health, our energy, you know, some people feel good today, some feel down. I mean, it's fluctuating. So use all those things to gain friends so that you'll be welcome into eternity. What is friends? What is that referring to? And we just sang a song that draw me close to you. And, and it's like and just thinking of the time where Jesus, God is going to call you our friend. So that's what he's talking about. So when you enter heaven, make sure God sees you as a friend, right? And not just God as a friend, but those others that are in heaven because of you re- reaching out to them and gain more friends in heaven. And it starts right now here on earth. So the manager invested in the life after his employment. And then later on, the people that save money, is like, oh, come to my house. You know, you hooked me up before. You, you saved me 50K. Let me buy you food. I mean, he, he had all kinds of people that he reached out to, and now he's gaining back the reward. I mean, it's, it's kind of this weird plan, but the point that I really don't want you to miss is that we too must be preparing for what's ahead, what's waiting you in heaven. 
so that when it's all said and done, God says, welcome. You've done a good job with all the things that I've entrusted you. You are my friend, and you gain more friends here in the eternal dwellings. And that's what we want to hear, church. Amen to that? I mean, that's exactly what this, this is pointing to. So the bottom line of this message or this story is, check this out, the time is limited. We don't have an eternity long, but you have a chance to invest your time, your energy, your money to prepare for eternity. Eternal investment. Matthew 6, Luke 12, it talks about heavenly treasures, storing treasures up in heaven. And that is the name, the, the passage behind the, the organization that we love to support, heavenly treasures. We put in the treasures. We, that's because where we put our treasure is where our heart is. So we invest in the things that we might not be able to see, but we know we'll see in heaven. And we want to make an impact, change lives, and make, make sure that they are family or friend in heaven. And that's what we do. And how could we use the uncertain, worldly wealth for a certain eternal return? What are you doing? Who are you partnering up with? Where are you giving to make a difference? So who is Jesus talking to? Anybody? What? Was, was, what? That was weak. Disciples, right? And that's you. That's us. He's telling us. He says, be more serious about the future. What's ahead? Don't just lay there and, and just enjoy the things that God has given you. Do something with it. Make work on it and share. And that's Jesus' message to us. He wants us to be serious about what's ahead. Prepare yourself. God has entrusted us with you, the worldly wealth and the riches. And are you trustworthy manager of what you've given verse 10 it says whoever can be trusted with very little which means that whatever you have here on earth if you can be trusted with that you'll be trusted with much more in heaven who's dishonest with very little will be also be dishonest with little. i mean that's a principle that jesus is constantly telling be faithful to what, what you have so god wants to give you more and more and then it's also said at the very end, verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and what? Money. You, there, you cannot serve these two. In this world, who are you serving? That's a very important question. Because you know why? The Pharisees, the religious leaders, these people who thought they had the answers, they believed and they never doubted that they're serving God. But they were not. They were serving money. As we find out in verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering or laughing at Jesus, mocking Jesus. And Jesus says, He's, you are the one who justify yourself in the eyes of others. But God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. I mean, we hear money scandals all over. Politicians, banks, companies, even churches. I mean, we, we, we don't want to read about this, but it's there. I mean, people fall for this. And you say, okay, and, you know, you see people apologizing. You see people, you know, uh, having to pay back or, or be put into prison. And you look at those stories and you kind of say, ah, that's not going to happen to me. I mean, I have no money to begin with. <laughs> you know, it's like, how could I get in money trouble? Or, or maybe you're like, that's them. I'm not that stupid. 
I mean, because that's really stupid. Not, I'm not that bad. I mean, we, we, we laugh it off. That's kind of our natural response. And we kind of distance ourselves from those money-related issues. But that's exactly what the Pharisees responded. In other words, they weren't taking Jesus seriously. I remember, again, who, who are Jesus talking to? Disciples, right? And who was among the disciples at that time? A man named Judas Iscariot. Remember what happened at the end. He sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He became a lover of money. He followed. He sold Jesus out. And he was there. And he laughed it off. Says, ah, that's not applicable to me. I ain't that stupid. You know, and he did not take Jesus. If he had taken Jesus seriously, then he would have not sold Jesus, right? I mean, so he laughed it off. What if our response could always be, well, that could always happen. Those money problems, it could always happen to me. How can I position myself today, right now, so that I'll never be that way and I could serve God and not money? What can I do right now? What is that that I could do? Because let's face it, money can be an idol very easily. The more we have in the bank, the more we have you know, the stock, whatever we have, we feel good, we feel safe, we feel secure. But the opposite is true. The more we lose or the, the money goes down or money is low, the bank account is low, then we feel anxious. Obviously, we've got to be good stewards, but are we putting our trust in money, bank, or God? We cannot serve two masters. Our trust in God must supersede our trust in money, of course. But we have to be reminded and Deuteronomy 8 gives us a wonderful example. So let's read that real quick. This is from the NRSV, and I want us to read this together. And can we do that? Mm-hmm. Verse 17, Do not say to yourself, My power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, so that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your ancestors as He is doing today. I mean, God is doing the work. He is the one who's giving you the strength. He is the one who's providing you life so that you can have wealth. And we can never forget who's behind your well-being. So don't boast in your strength, in your wealth, because that is the way we fall for the idol of money. And that's why we give. That's why churches have this thing called giving, tithes and offerings, so that we, our hearts are protected. Our heart is not sold out to money, but we're saying, okay, whatever we have, we're going to give back to God. And he teaches us about priority and the attitude we need to have to thank God sincerely, putting aside our, our pride, and we give our tenth. And that's what tithing all means, the tenth. So it's not the leftover money that you've earned. It says, oh, okay, whatever. Okay, I'll just give this to God. No, it is our first crop. It is the things that we earn. It says, okay, this is all because of you. So I'm going to give them my very best, my first 10% back to God. That's the concept behind tithing. It's not because God needs your money because he has all the money he wants. But it is to give you protection of our hearts. It is to keep you safe so that you don't fall because you've seen the destruction happen and you've said, oh, that is horrible. I never want to be like that. Well, God is giving you away. So he is protecting you. And when we give out of our gratitude, honest thanks to God, he's going to bless you. I had an experience where my kid, one day, my wife and I were talking and, you know, it says, ah, 
I, I don't know even, it's not a big conversation. It was like a casual dinner conversation. It's like, oh, should we get this? Nah, I don't think we have enough money, so let's not. It wasn't that serious, but my kid, I forgot which one it was. Definitely not Zent, though, but um, you know, he's like, the, 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 our, our, our daughter or our son, he, like, they brought us this, her, her or his b- piggy bank. It's like, hey, use this. I mean, that was when they were like three and four. They're, they're not going to do it right now. But, you know, they're, they're like, no, that's mine. Oh. But, you know, that moment, as parents, we're so touched. We're blessed. And, and of course, as parents, are like, oh, we want to do much more for them. We want to we just bless them back. Because you're just touched by their heart, their generosity. See, we are eternal children of God. And God sees us that way. And what if we have the heart that says, you know, this ain't much, but this is, you've given me this. We want to give back to you. So use this for your work, for your person, whatever you need to do. This is what I could contribute. What if, I mean, our God, how could he not bless you back richly for that type of attitude? That's why we give. And you know, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, This is what he said. He says, earn all you can and save all you can. Give all you can. And you heard, that's a famous quote. And I actually found the original quote. And this is actually even better. I want to read this to you. Use your God-given gifts well and wisely to earn all that you can, that you might practice frugally, frugality, and save all you can, that you might have more than enough so that you are able to give all you can. May I add, save as much soul as you can with the things that you are giving. You're investing in eternity. That's the heart behind giving. So as a church, we need giving because everything we do to make an eternal impact relies on the giving. But we should never feel bad asking about this because especially if there's nothing to hide or if there's nothing shady or if it's not self-serving, if we're not trying to boast ourselves because we got to make sure we have transparency in all the things that we're doing. But because we're about making an eternal impact. And we got to be bold and, and says, hey, we need finance to, to make God's work continue to overflow. So that's why I want to continue to challenge people. It says, hey, this is not about us. It's about God's movement. It's about what God wants to do. So let us give towards that. And let us give to outside organizations like Heavenly Treasures, making lives, changing lives all over the world. I mean, because this is God's movement. And we can't hold it to just ourselves. Now, that's why we have to give clear vision. And we got to give a reason why we're giving. And it can't be just about this building. It can't be just paying pastor's salary. It's part of it. But it's about our vision moving forward. But also have to have accountability. So we, we, we do our part in giving you all the accounts. And if you are interested in what that is or, or how we could give, or maybe you're not even really sure about giving yet, hey, come to the membership class today. We'll talk all <laughs> about that. So you can join us right after this because there is a heart behind the giving. We can't miss that because that's the more important piece of information. Hey, now today's story, Jesus talked about money. They talk about how do we be good stewards, but it is a far more deeper concept is eternity. It's about heaven. And I want to show you an example of eternity as we close our time. And I have a volunteer that represents eternity today. So can you give it up for uh, Nathan and Caleb, they are our eternity today. All right, so you know what to do. So this represents eternity, okay, this white string right here. 
And now, Mr. Eternity will leave the room. So go. Okay, maybe the other way. Yeah. And now, go. Run, 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 run. Faster, faster. Like, a lot faster. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You can do this, Eternity. We don't got all Eternity, man. That's a good one. Okay, all right, all right. All right. So now, where's he going? Where's that? Okay, but now eternity is something you can't see, right? So, I mean, this is kind of visual, okay? But now he, he will come back one of these days, okay? But, um, you know, what I want to... Oh, there's eternity. Welcome back, eternity. Okay, and now, uh, um, come on, come on. You can do this. You can still do this. You can still do this. I hope kids don't trip back there. But anyways, um, all right, come back, eternity. All right. No, no, like this way, this way, this way. It's like, it's all right. You can leave it out. Okay, but what I want to point out is... Okay, can you give me some slack right here? Because I need to pull and I want to stand right here. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Okay, there you go, there you go, right here. You're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. All right, so give it up for our volunteers, can you? Thank you, thank you, Eternity. All right, and now, sorry, be careful. Don't, be, don't trip on Eternity, okay? All right, but now, I, I really want to point out this, okay? So that is Eternity. But right here, where are we? We're like right here. We're a dot right here. And that's your life. I mean, compared to Eternity, that's, we're just a dot and now, what does this represent? That dot represents us. And while you still can invest in eternity as a dot, you invest in the unknown. Like everything that happens here allows us to invest in whatever to come in. And I mean, eternity is like even far longer than that. I mean, it just keeps going. So you know how vast that is, but we're just a little tiny dot. And you know, because of sin, because of our issue with sin, we got cut off. We're like cut off from eternity. So we're like this little piece right here. I mean, like we got cut off. I'm sorry, but we did. That's the truth. And and now, what do we do? Is while you can, while you still got the time, while you still have the physical ability, make sure you invest in eternity. And what does that mean? Well, be friends with God. Be a friend with God. Make sure you know Jesus Christ. And make sure on that dot, there's a cross that you accept, that He brings you back to the eternity. I mean, that's the biggest investment you could ever do. That's how you invest in eternity. Make sure before you turn into a dust from a dot, you make sure you accept Jesus Christ and now you are friend with, of God. And that's why we invest, so that because of the cross, we're back together. And we are on track of eternity. But now, you want to share about this message, about this, about heaven, about the gospel message that brings us back to eternity. And now, so that you can have BFF all over. You know what I mean? It's like best friend forever. You know? And you know, you know the BFF that we say here on earth? That's not true. It's not best for, friend forever. It's not BFF. It's like LTF, limited time friends. Right? We, we think, we all say, hi, hey, we, we're, we're BFF. We're friends forever. No. You're friends on this dot. If you really want to be BFF, you introduce them to Jesus. And you really be in eternity. And that's what we are all about. We want to invest in eternity because we could do a good job of investing in finance and, and making sure our, our grandkids or our kids are off. I mean, that's great. Continue to do that. But eternal investment trumps all other worldly investment. Amen, church? 
And that's what we're going to be about. Jesus on investment. He says, make sure your investment reaps eternal dividend. Make sure the things that you reap is about this eternal things that we get to be part of. So now what will you bring forward to God? Today, preparing for the eternal, preparing for what's ahead. Will he be proud of you? Will he say, good job, my faithful servant? How will you invest in eternity today? We may not have a tomorrow. What will you do today with your money, with your finance, with your time and energy in your life? How will you invest in what's to come in eternity Maybe you go to Africa, make good friends, go sign up to Heavenly Treasure, or go to Kenya, or go to Kenya, go to Uganda. I mean, make eternal friends over there. But you could also sign up for English Cafe and make like little friends with babysitting and make eternal friends that way. I mean, there's so many things that we could be part of, and that decision can start today. And I advise you to make that decision today, right now, because you may never have tomorrow. That tomorrow is not promised. And that's what Jesus is all about. He's trying to give us this sense of urgency so that we can invest in eternity. So now let's look at our challenge, weekly challenge. If you could get out your phone, take a picture. And I want us to read Luke once again, 16, 1 through 15. Um, And then let's look at what God is trying to teach us about himself and about heaven or eternity. What is God trying to teach us through that passage? Now, I want you to read Deuteronomy 8. That's the no, or the grow question. It'll really help you to grow because this chapter in Deuteronomy, I've been really been like studying this passage right now, and it's like, it's really rich. But now, let's look at that, and then what kind of attitude does God want us to have in regards to our accomplishments, our wealth, and the things that you've achieved? And now, overflow, can you think of at least one way you are using worldly wealth so that when it is gone, You'll be welcomed into eternity. At least one thing that you're already doing. And now, how could you invest in eternity this week to store up treasures in heaven? All right, church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, you call us your friend. We, are, we will be invited in eternity. But before we get to do that, we get to see you face to face. May we never take our limited time for granted because whatever we do here on earth it's just a dot it's just a dust compared to all that we get to experience in heaven in eternity so let us be mindful of eternity as we live each and every day who are the people that we need to be friends with who are we need to reach out and use what we have to reap eternal dividend help us to invest in eternity today we thank you in jesus name amen church let's continue to worship would you rise with me let's sing some song and let's and let's tune our heart to god so that we could move out here we could go out here with the heart of overflow